1: Hello, hello. Welcome to Brook Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from a conservative perspective. I am your host, Brooke Says, conservative patriot, proud, deplorable, and columnist on AmericaOutloud.com. You can connect with me on Facebook, which is Brooke Talks, Twitter. Email me if you have any questions. Um, and if you'd like to partner with the show, email me and let me know. I'm here with my co-host, Colonel Jim Warshuk who is the former Deputy Director for Intelligence at U.S. Central Command. He also served on the White House National Security Council and currently is the Hillsborough County, Florida GOP Chairman. His articles are also on AmericaOutloud.com. Great stuff, national security and defense. Um, So from hot topics to history, you know the deal. You can be sure if it's happening in America, I will be talking about it. You can listen to podcasts of my show on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. Also, I'm on Captain's America Third Watch every week on Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. on this station. Colonel Jim is also on Captain's America Third Watch every Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. on this station. We're ambushing the airwaves with conservative thought. My article this week is Bubba Wallace Pushes Fake Hate Hoax for Profit. You know, immediately after I heard the noose story in uh, his garage, I thought of Jussie Smollett, or as uh, Dave Chappelle calls him, Juicy Smolier, And likely millions of other Americans did the same. You know, there have been dozens of other fake hate hoaxes, including the fake swastikas, the removing of that woman hij- hijab, which turned out to be fake, and the horrible staging, fake staging of N-words on the, in, in case you remember, on the naily the Navy sailors rack, as well as those message boards and the air force. And by the way, I do not believe that anyone wrote the N word on LeBron James Cleveland home. And to this day, there's still no evidence of it. And everybody has of course, forgotten about that. Um, You know, having proven, been proven right, sadly, about my skepticism in these matters, it doesn't give me any pleasure because I think it's absolutely despicable to deliberately push racial division when it doesn't exist It actually hurts the cause of real victims, much like rape victims, fake rape claims, Uh, you know, victims of racism, because it's like the boy who cried wolf, people start, they don't believe it anymore. Most Americans are sick to death of race baiting in general, but especially when it did not happen. We have enough problems in this country without that. So, you know, I'll be getting into that more later on in the show, but that really needs to stop and people need to be punished when they have been found to have done that. Um, I have as my guest on the show, so that's my article, make sure you check it out. Everything's available on my website, brooktalksamerica.com as well. So I have as my guest on the show today, uh, Representative Anthony Sabatini, who is a Republican member of the Florida Legislature who represents the state's 32nd House District, and who is also a captain in the Florida Army National Guard. So thank you for your service. He's a good conservative Republican, conservative being the operative word, who, like me, likes to battle on Twitter. uh, And he's here to talk about the mandatory mask ordinances in Florida and his effort to abolish them. So welcome to the show, Anthony. Thank you for coming. Thanks for
2: having me on, Brooke.
1: Absolutely. So tell me what's going on with your efforts on behalf of on behalf of that.
2: Sure. Well, you know, I've been a major critic of the lockdown and everything associated with it. And The extension of the lockdown now is just Democrats and liberals pushing for mandatory masks. Uh, You know, this is just really another stage of their emotional temper tantrum uh, that they've been putting on for the last 100 days, trying to disrupt the economy, trying to start chaos, trying to find a new vessel to hurt the president, and hurt our economy and, and really just hurt the country. I hate to say that, but that's where they're at right now. And so, you know, the whole entire lockdown, I've, since day one, I've been a complete critic of locking anything down, shutting down any business, disrupting our economy. And uh, what I've done is now that the mask mandates are becoming the popular new vessel uh, across the state, all the local governments are instituting these new criminal penalties where if you're caught without a mask, you'll, you'll be arrested, put in jail for up to 60 days, $500 fine. Or in some jurisdictions, uh, just a fine, but in most cases, punishment for not wearing a mask. Um, what we're doing now is we're fighting them because not only am my state legislature, uh, I'm also an attorney in the state of Florida. So I represent right now five different plaintiffs in five different counties um, from Leon County, the to top of Florida, all the way down to Miami Dade, suing local governments, uh, making the constitutional claim that these mask mandates are not just terrible policy but they're actually illegal i think they actually violate the substantive due process rights and guarantees of the florida constitution i think they violate the privacy clause of the florida constitution equal protection because oftentimes they're drafted in such a way that they carve out other people for example in orange county the mask mandate says oh by the way if you're a government employee this doesn't apply to you wow so, <laughs> yeah it's out of control so they've, they've so, you know, each one is drafted a little bit different. Like I said, most of them are criminal. A few they have taken the criminal penalty out, thinking of, of giving somebody a fine of the $250 somehow is okay. But not uh, for looters in, and uh, protesters. Middle... Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're in the middle of an economic recession. I think that's a good idea to start fining and uh, uh, bullying uh uh, average Floridians, but anyway, so that those are some of the claims that we're making. We're making a bunch of claims. We're fighting, and uh, we're. The, this has all been new in the last few weeks. We had our first victory with Seminole County, because two weeks after I filed, uh, we were getting ready to uh, set up our first hearing on the case, and, and the county actually backed down. They actually got rid of their mask mandate, so uh, that was they moved it from required to recommended. So that was a, we consider that an early and good win. And that's our goal. We're trying to get these county commissions, commissions to just, you know, uh, recommend these masks. They don't need to be requiring them with criminal penalties. It's out of control. A lot of people don't know this, but most of the governments around Europe and the world do not have mask mandates. They don't believe in them. Just like the United States for the first 90 days of this crisis, it didn't nobody even thought they were a good idea uh sweden norway finland and denmark four countries that the liberal you know the radical left loves to talk about loves to cite their policies loves to um speak highly of all four of those countries not only don't have mask orders in place they're actually against them they recommend that you only wear a mask if you're in really really tight quarters with large groups of people maybe like a hospital er room or something like that uh or in potentially maybe even an you know airplane whatever but Not certainly not like in a restaurant or a warehouse or a grocery store, the large open spaces. It's silly and they're completely against it. Most of these uh, governments are. What we're seeing now is a media blackout where the media literally refuses not only to mention it, uh, but even to, you know, let anyone know in in, in any way, shape or form. The only articles you'll see is, you know, the leading headlines saying, oh, you know, Sweden and Norway are going to regret the fact that they're not, You know, putting people in jail who aren't wearing masks, et cetera, they're just insane editorials. But obviously Sweden's had one of the best response. Their fatality count was slightly higher than other countries in the beginning, but now it's pretty much the same. And uh, they've had the best uh, response because they never never shut anything down. They didn't shut down schools or restaurants or public spaces or anything. They didn't put anyone in jail. And uh, things went really well there. And yet the media, the liberal media, is so angry about it. They're they're doing backflips trying to convince people that somehow uh, Sweden had the wrong response. And, you know, Sweden's just laughing about it because they saved their economy. Yeah. You know, we're all going into a recession now, but they did a good job. And I, I wish uh, Florida local governments would learn from that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's – I don't know if you know this, but Gavin Newsom in California, he he tweeted out that, you know, they are all all the – all of the Dems are tweeting out, oh, it's selfish not to wear the mask, and wear a mask, that's the tweet. You know, this is the same guy who, whose mismanagement burned up his state. He made thousands of, of elderly go into back into nursing homes when they were positive with coronavirus, causing thousands of deaths, and he also has a sanctuary state policy, which causes death to Americans. So it's really... It's really funny, and so does Whitmau in Michigan. It's really funny for them to be talking about selfish and stupid because they are both selfish and stupid. (laughs) But just saying.
2: Absolutely,
1: absolutely. So, you know, we have one in Hillsboro uh, is there any chance you're going to be doing something here? You know, Nanny Castor, uh tried for three times to get it done. Then she tried to get it through through the EPG, and then she tried to get it through Publix to mandate it. Now they they had another vote, and it went five to three to mandate it here in Hillsboro. Will you be able to do something about that by any chance?
2: Yeah, yeah. That lawsuit's already finished. We'll be filing. Oh, today, yay! Um, five, o'clock, five o'clock today.
1: Good to hear that. I have actually, um, you know. I'm, I'm a freedom lover, and I have been going to Polk County to spend my money instead of spending it here in Hillsborough County. I just have to say, you know, and I've heard a lot of other people saying the same thing. They're going to take their money out of the county, whether it's here or Sarasota, because it's just unacceptable. I mean, for my position, when you have done virtually nothing about these looters and rioters and these protesters, and you're coming after us for abiding by the law, it's unacceptable.
2: That's just uh, collateral damage for these local government career exactly. politicians. They they don't really care. They in fact they actually embrace recessions and and uh, uh, failed uh, uh, failed economies because that gives the government more power, creates panic, lets people uh, enable government to play more of a role in their lives. They actually they welcome it. I know it sounds crazy to hear to, to say, but it's actually true. Local government actually enjoys recessions uh, because they they work in a recession proof industry, but. But that said, I actually got to wrap it up and uh, go. But I appreciate you having me on the show.
1: Yeah, me too. And we'll be in touch and uh, find out what else is new, what else new is going on. Thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you, Brooke. Talk to you very soon. Thanks. Take
1: care. You are listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. We are on AM860, The Answer on Salem Media Group. Uh, Make sure you connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, email, and um, check out the articles and the previous podcasts on the website i'm here with colonel jim and we will be right back
0: more Brooke talks america coming up welcome back to Brooke talks america visit on facebook search Brooke talks and now your host Brooke says.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. We're on AM860 The Answer, Salem Media Group. I'm here with Colonel Jen. Make sure you connect with me on the social medias, you know, the interwebs. (laughs) Uh, So as you know, unless you've been in a cave or under a rock, the country is going through a tremendous upheaval right now. Right. We've been in basically what I would consider a cold civil war. But unfortunately, now we're probably on the verge of an actual hot civil war, which is very upset, uh, you know, upsetting to think about. Um, we have a literal choice in four months, America, between liberty and tyranny. I've said it before. But it has to be reiterated over and over again, because this is, in fact, the most important election of our lifetime. We've been mocked whenever we've said that, but it's absolutely true. Think about what has happened. In just four years, we've gone from mocking Bernie Sanders as an old hippie socialist and saying that America will never embrace socialism in any real real way, like on a massive scale, to Comrade Cortez, a 29-year-old former bartender who got a sum total of 16,000 votes in her district, who now has an unprecedented amount of power in the Democrat Party. The majority of young people favor socialism because, of course, they don't know, they don't have any idea of what it's really about and what it would be like to live under I wonder whether the spaz, the Chaz spazes are probably finding that out in Seattle, though, I have to say. So this happened in four years. Now look where the country is. And, you know, I have to reiterate, this was the topic of my last article. Where the hell are the Republicans? Not only are they silent, but as Representative Sabatini mentioned in one of his tweets, they're constantly on defense rather than on offense. What a difference it would make if they actually supported Trump. You know, look, I know that McConnell does judges and that's wonderful. Really, it's awesome. Although it would be nice if some of those judges actually followed the Constitution, too, instead of always voting with Democrats. But whatever, we'll work on that. You know, but if they worked with him and actually knew how to fight the battle we're facing, that would be nice, too. Don't you think so? As I mentioned, we are in a crisis and I would definitely call this an existential crisis. I know that the left always uses that word, but no, I'm not talking about the left's mantra, which is climate change, which, by the way, seems to have been, seems to have disappeared, hasn't it? Isn't it interesting what some good looting and rioting will do? Uh, I'm talking about what's going on in the streets of America from the enduring ravages of the coronavirus pandemic shutdowns, the economic shutdowns, and also, you know, we have no idea what's happening to kids, (laughs) but... That's another topic for another day because that could be a whole show. Um, But I'm talking about the Democrat organized and funded George Floyd riots and looting and now the fast and furious growth of Black Lives Matter as a political force uh, and how they're influencing everything from politics to entertainment to corporate policy. You've seen what's going on. It's absolutely stunning how fast this has happened. It really shouldn't be stunning. It really shouldn't even be surprising in a way. Because this has actually been planned for a while, as Colonel Jim mentioned last show, you know, last week. And it's just, they've just been waiting for the opportunity to to drop it. You don't get this level of coordination. It just doesn't happen on the spur of the moment. There's nothing organic about it, like the Tea Party, you know, decentralized. And it's just people getting up. These are First of all, they're paid, of course, which helps to organize things. But this is a continuation of the campaign of 2016, and it's being organized behind the scenes the same way the riot and protest protest against Trump was then is happening now. And I 100% believe that Obama, Hillary, Holder, and the DNC are behind it. And of course, Soros, but that goes without saying, right? He's one of the ones that's funding it. And as, as I mentioned on a previous show, Tom Steyer, lots of people, Holly Weird. Uh, and to prove it, just a little reminder of what was happening in 2016 in these Democrat uh, operatives' own words from the undercover Project Veritas videos. Here are a few clips about that. It doesn't
2: matter what the freaking legal and ethics people say. We're, we need to win this motherfucker. Hillary like is aware of all the work that you
1: guys do. I hope.
0: Campaign is fully
1: in. And then they tell Hillary, like, what's going on.
0: Well, I mean, Hillary knows through chain your command. Yeah. I'm not suggesting we wait around. We need to start
3: this shit right away. Okay. On every one of these fronts. Okay. What I call this conflict engagement—that's mm-hmm. that's your—that's <laughs> your, your version of re-enfranchisement. Conflict, conflict engagement in the, in the lines at Trump rallies.
4: Oh. We're starting anarchy here. This is part one of our undercover investigation into the dark, backroom dealings of the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign, the culmination of a year-long investigation infiltrating the machine from the bottom all the way to the White House.
1: Any of that sound familiar today? Yep, and there are more clips about that.
4: So I'm basically deputy rapid response director for the DNC for all things Trump on the ground. Nobody's really supposed to know about me. We have mentally ill people. We pay. Here's another one. This is Scott Foval. He is the national field director for Americans United for Change. He used to work for People for the American Way, an organization funded by George Soros. He also has his own company called the Foval Group. He is one of the dark operatives for the Clinton campaign.
3: We were contracted directly with the DNC and the campaign both. I am contracted to him, Mm -hmm. but I answer to the head of special events for the DNC Mm -hmm. and the head of the special events and political for
4: the campaign. Mm -hmm. The campaign pays DNC. DNC pays Democracy Partners. Democracy Partners pays the FOLO group. The FOLO group goes and executes the shit on the ground. Democracy Partners is a private political consulting company with deep ties to Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama's White House, and the Democratic National Committee.
3: We are the primary mechanism as a team. Democracy Partners is the, the tip of the spear out now. Wherever ever Trump and Pence are going to be, we have events.
0: Okay. And we have a whole team across the country that does that. Both consultants and people from the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party apparatus and
4: people from the uh, campaign. That Bob Creamer is Democracy Partners. He is the husband of Jan Schakowsky, a Democratic congresswoman from Chicago.
1: And here's the last one about that.
4: The thing that we have to watch is making sure there's a double blind between the actual campaign and the actual DNC and what we're doing. There's a double blind there. And how that? So that they can plausibly deny that they knew anything about it. Scott Foval is Kramer's attack dog. Foval and his people train the agitators to go to Trump rallies, and nothing is left to chance. There's a script. Oh, there is a script. There's a script.
1: So you see, that is totally organized. It's funded. And that that was happening in 2016. Absolutely, it's happening now. But here's the thing. They have more money and more people doing it out there now because this election is absolutely do or die for them and their plans to turn America into a socialist utopia. Do you remember Occupy Wall Street? This was the first of the this these types of groups that happened under Obama. Did you know that they only went after Wall Street CEOs? Why do you think that is Oh, Republican Wall Street CEOs? Because they're Democrat brown shirts. Yes, I said brown shirts. You've heard that before. And I'm making the analogy because that's absolutely what they are. They are foot soldiers of this socialist Marxist group. Now, the BLM and Antifa are Democrat operatives who were so close to getting their way in 2016 that they're going crazy now. Remember when Barack Obama talked about the fundamental transformation of America? Those five unbelievably chilling words that sounded so benign but now we're seen as very powerful and dangerous. And Michelle Obama said, Barack knows that we're going to have to make sacrifices. We're going to have to change our conversation. We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place as a nation. Well, what do you see happening now? Statues are coming down, right? Companies and entertainers are changing their names. People and products are getting canceled left and right. She literally said, change our traditions and history. So what's happening right now is basically a Maoist cultural revolution. You're going to hear that a lot. You've heard that a lot probably already. You're going to be hearing that because that's what absolutely happened in the Chinese in China. And it's happening here. You can see it. They're they're watching that statue. All of these statues are coming down because it's the same exact thing here in America. And a lot of these Students have been indoctrinated in in the Confucius centers in America and by left wing radical communist professors, which we also need to talk about and defund them in it like today or yesterday. Where are the Republicans? Hello. And I'm not talking about Trump, as you know. So, you know, when we when we on the right questioned that statement that Obama made and also what Michelle Obama made, we were mocked and we were mocked as hysterical. But as you can see, we turned out to be completely right. And most of the people out there protesting the statues under the banner of Black Lives Matter have no idea what they're even doing. They're so stupid they don't even realize they're defacing and destroying some monuments that honor black Americans. From the 54th Regiment uh, of black Civil War soldiers to currently the Emancipation Memorial, which was built entirely by funds from former slaves. So if they want to move it, fine. Okay, they don't like how it looks. They want to move it somewhere else, fine. That's, you know, I don't even care. But don't destroy it, which is really what they wanted to do. I mean, they shouldn't move it. They should just get over it and look at history as different. But, you know, they're crybabies. But really, they are, there are way more important issues than a statue from 176, Like maybe the hundreds of people being murdered, black people being murdered by each other in Chicago every weekend. Just a thought, and 4th of July, coming up, even though they won't be celebrations, it'll still be crazy, which it always is. You are listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. We're here on AM860, The Answer, with Colonel Jim, and we will be right back.
4: I would love to
0: sing a song for you. More Brooke Talks America, coming up. To Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by Twitter at Talks America. Here's Brooke Says.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. So this is something of more than than that. Okay, race is being used as it always is by Democrats. for the election in November, obviously, to achieve their short-term political agenda, which is to win the election. But it's being used by BLM and their allies to achieve their long-term goals. Here's a clip of one of the founders of BLM, a couple of clips actually, uh, from the founders of BLM on what their background is and what their agenda is.
5: Um, Hands down, Trump not only needs to not be in office in November, uh, but he should resign now. Um, We Trump needs to be out of office. He is not fit for office. And so what we are going to push for is a move to get Trump out, while we're also going to continue to push and pressure uh, Vice President Joe Biden around his policies and relationship to policing and criminalization. That's going to be important. But our goal is to get Trump out. We uh, are trained Marxists. Um, We are uh, super... Uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories. And I think that what we really try to do is build a movement that could be utilized by many, many black folk.
1: Okay. So as you heard her say, they want to get Trump out. We get that. Everybody wants to get Trump out. But if the goal of socialism, you heard him say that they were trained Marxists. If If the goal of socialism, which according to Lenin is communism, Karl Marx was a communist who wrote the Communist Manifesto, and the founder of BLM says they are trained Marxists. It means they want that type of government. Is that what Michelle Obama meant by move into a different place as a nation? Hmm. They're trained Marxists in the Alinsky model. And by the way, for those who don't know, Alinsky was trained by the mafia in Chicago. So when these trained organizers get their tactics, violence you know violence is not accidental it's the by any means necessary philosophy and when the greater new york black lives matter pro uh president hank hawk Newsom told martha mccallum on fox quote if this country doesn't give us what we want then we will burn down this system and replace it all right and i could be speaking figuratively i could be speaking literally it's a matter of interpretation well here's the thing america they mean literally you've seen it with your own eyes all across america There's no interpretation needed. They will use violence to get what they want. Colonel Jim has mentioned this before, gotten all kind of heat for it, but they have told you what they're about. He just said it. So this is what Democrats are fostering in America. Uh, I'm not really quite sure that they understand and that they think why they think that scaring America is the best method to win an election. It makes me wonder why they're doing it. I haven't. I have to wonder if they think it's because Biden is so weak. They have to see. I mean, they're acting like they're not. You know, McAuliffe says keep him in the basement. They know the guy is super weak. Uh, He won the Kentucky primary this week, but with only 57 percent of the vote. Bernie, who actually dropped out a couple months ago, still received 19 percent of the vote in the primary. That is that means that they haven't translated for Bernie uh, for Biden. That's not good for Democrats if that voting pattern holds. So why did they choose Biden? Think about this. In 2016, Republican voters had 16 candidates, and they chose the outsider in Donald Trump. In 2020, Democrats had 24 candidates, and at the end of that process, they chose the ultimate insider, who's also the weakest candidate. It doesn't make sense to me, I have to say. Um, Trump will absolutely destroy Biden in the debates. And that's why they're trying to get rid of them. But it I don't understand why they would vote for Biden. They know that he's a puppet, but still, I don't even think he can make it to the election. So after all the candidates that they've had, I don't know. If you have any theories on that, let me know on my Facebook page. Uh, one of the reasons for Biden may be, as I mentioned, is that black voters, which Democrats need 85 to 95 percent, and they helped him win the South Carolina primary and really facilitated his Movement towards the primary, uh like the fact that he was loyal to Obama, but he's definitely come under stru- scrutiny lately from the woke mob, which is good, I have to say. But I and I think that Biden's "you ain't black" comment, which he made to Charlemagne, is actually really more devastating than Democrats want to acknowledge. Here's BET founder Robert Johnson, who says that Democrats have taken Black voters for granted, and his take on Biden.
3: I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for other African Americans. Uh, you know. I, I don't know Joe Biden. I can't recall when I've ever spoken to Joe Biden. Uh, but there are a couple of things about uh, Vice President Biden that gives me personally a lot of pause about his true belief in, in African Americans having a equal seat at the table in the Democrat Party on issues that we consider important to us. Now, whether he was, as he said, trying to be a wise guy or whatever, but if you've been supposedly hanging out with black people, you are eight years Obama's vice president, you don't think like that. There's something in you that tells you, I can't be halfway wise guy, halfway cute by telling a black man, and by extension, every black person listening, that if you even think about voting for somebody other than me, and then to use the so-called colloquial expression, you ain't black, that, that's the biggest turnoff I've heard from a politician in a long time. You know, I could go on with, the, oh, they're going to put y'all back in chains. I mean, it, it's, it just shows me that he thinks he's so immersed in the black relationship that he could be flippant when talking to black people. And that is one thing I, I dislike, uh, second only to patronizing of black people.
1: And there's also an additional quote by Robert Johnson. He says, to have that mindset, you must have the attitude that we, black Americans, we own you. We can take you, we can take you for granted. That, to me, shows you that black Americans are an appendage of a party. He's absolutely right. That's exactly how Democrats do think about black Democrat voters. It's so obvious that you can't even miss it. But what's even worse is what they think and say about black Republicans or conservatives, which Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, recently experienced while working or actually trying to work with Democrats on the policing reform bill. Before that, though, I want to set it up with that absolutely disgusting comment about Republicans and her refusal to apologize it by Nancy Pelosi, who really needs to get her denture straight. Yes, you got to hear it.
3: In other words, for something to happen, they're going to have to face the realities of police brutality, the rallies of the need for justice in policing, and the recognition that there are many, many good people in, in um, law enforcement, but not all, and that we have to address those concerns. Uh, so when they admit that and and have some suggestions that are worthy of consideration. But so far, they were trying to get away with murder, actually,
1: the murder of George Floyd. That's disgusting. Here's another clip from her.
3: When
0: you were speaking yesterday, you said that Republicans are, quote, trying to get away with murder, actually, the murder of George Floyd. Senate Republicans are demanding an apology for that
3: statement. Will you apologize? Absolutely, positively not. Uh, the fact is, people say, I-, "I think you, frankly, in the press, have given them far too much credit for a bill that does nothing." They're saying, "Well, you have your bill; they have theirs. Yeah, our bill does something; theirs doesn't." Is does. Tim Scott working in good faith? I guess. <laughs>
6: I'm
3: sorry. Well, we would hope. Is that Tim we're Scott all... working in good faith? Is this a good starting point? I'm talking about Mitch McConnell. I'm talking about Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell could could open this up again and have an open. Judiciary Committee
1: consideration of a bill. Get your pilot in Nancy. They're about to come out. And then listen to this comment by Dick Durbin.
5: So what we say on the Democratic side is we cannot waste this historic moment, this singular opportunity. Let's not do something that is a token, <laughs> half-hearted approach. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's focus instead on making a change that will make a difference in the future of America.
1: You hear that? So not only did Tricky Dick cough you didn't you don't have the video, but he coughed into his hand, which is not right. But he also said, Token, can you imagine if a Republican had said that particular word in regards to a bill put forth by a black Democrat senator? So Tim Scott rebuked Durbin on the Senate floor and then tore into Democrats about who they really are and what all of this posturing on police reform is really about.
5: But what I missed in this issue is that the stereotyping of Republicans is just as toxic and poison to the outcomes of the most vulnerable communities in this nation. That's the issue. When Speaker Pelosi says, one of the most heinous things I can imagine, that the Republicans are actually trying to cover up murder, the murder of George Floyd with our legislation. That's not politics. That's not a game to win. That's you lose, you will sooner or later lose. But immediately, every kid around the nation that heard that nonsense lost that moment. You see, what's become evident to me, is that she knows something that we all know. She knows that she can say that because the Democrats have a monopoly on the black vote. And no matter the return on their loyalty, and and I am telling you, the most loyal part of the Democrat construct Black communities, and no matter the loyalty of the people, the return they get will always continue to go down because in monopolies, you start devaluing in Detroit, Atlanta, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Philadelphia. All these cities could have banned chokeholds themselves. They could have increased the police reporting themselves. They could have more data information themselves. They could have de-escalation training themselves. They could have duty to intervene themselves. Minneapolis as well. All these communities have been run by Democrats for decades. Decades. What is the ROI for the poorest people in this nation? And I don't blame them. I blame an elite political class with billions of dollars to do whatever they want to do and look at the results for the poorest, most vulnerable people in our nation. I'm willing to compete for their vote. Are you?
1: Yes, we are. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. This is your host, Brooke Says, We're on AMN 60, The Answer, with Colonel Jim, and we will be right back for the rest of the show.
0: More Brook Talks America, coming up... Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by email, info at com. Here's Brooks
1: says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooks says, on AM 860 The Answer with Colonel Jim. You know, I don't have time to really share the audio, but I have some clips on the Facebook page, so go check it out, of how these white liberal protesters treat black cops, which is despicable. It's, you know, it's part and parcel of what the Democrats do. Dick Durbin just did it with saying the word token. Um, You know, they outright insulted them. And if you remember from, I think it was 2018, the one guy who called the black ICE agent the N-word in Portland and felt so entitled to do so. There are all of these happening right now. Um, That tells you everything you need to know about the left and the Democrat Party of how they feel. They use black voters to get their votes, but they don't really care. And then white liberals are the most despicable in what they think that they can say. This is really terribly sad for a country. And I hate to talk about it, I hate to think about it, I hate to see it. But this needs to be exposed. And that's why I mention all of this very unpleasant stuff, because it has we have to call out the hypocrisy of the left on this matter. They claim to care. Always they care so much. They're the heart you know, the the caretakers of the certain people, but they don't. And as Robert Johnson said, he was completely right. Tim Scott, it means we can only expect more race baiting from the Democrats as we get closer to the election and for it to get worse. We have a real and obvious choice to make in November. America, OK, it's very, very clear. And Victor Davis Hansen lays it out here. He's brilliant. He lays it out here in this clip.
2: You know, I don't want to get political, Tucker, but this election no longer is about Donald Trump's tweeting. It's not about Joe Biden's cognitive impairment. It has nothing to do anymore with the lockdown, the virus, the economy, foreign policy. It's an existential question, a Manichaean choice between whether you want civilization and you believe that America doesn't have to be perfect to be good and we're not in its third century going to destroy all that people died for, or you feel it was inherently flawed with a cancer and we have to use radiation, chemotherapy, and kill the host to kill the cancer. And that's the choice we're looking at. And I'm going to vote for civilization. Yeah.
4: Well, it's, it's our only option. The Republican Party is our only option. Speaking of a flawed option, but there's no other. And you're absolutely right to point out the flag officers, the Pentagon, wholly captured by the left. And I think conservatives have been very slow to pick up on that. Unfortunately, it's true, and it's scary.
1: They are both correct on that point, and it is not too fine a point to say that civilization itself hangs in the balance, and by the way, the rest of the world needs to hope that Donald Trump gets to be president, because you will go down if we become a socialist country. It's liberty or tyranny, freedom or bondage, civilization or chaos. Choose wisely, America. Your future depends on it. So to change subjects off those little hopeful thoughts, (laughs) Jim, as we always turn to you in matters of national security and defense and all things Flynn, what is going on on those fronts?
6: Well, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Of course, we watched over the last week or so, a federal appeals court um, earlier this week ordered the criminal case against General Mike Flynn to be dropped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah but the u s District Court Judge Emmett Sullivan has yet to dismiss the case. Sullivan has ordered uh has been ordered to dismiss the case, however, he's kind of dragging his feet, and we're not quite sure what he's trying to do uh but he has really three options: he can one acquiesce to the appeals court and sign the order and dismiss the case and that will end it of course uh as if the delay goes further. Uh, and he really doesn't anything. There will be the appearance that uh, that's quite obvious that uh, he could be in contempt of the appeals court order by not doing anything. So he doesn't want to go down that road uh, per se. And then there's a, a third option that's probably not going to happen. And that's where Sullivan can hope the appeals court will take up this decision on their own. Of course, what happens here is that would have to be an internal decision of the appeals court, and they would have to decide together that they want to go do this alone. And, of course, Sullivan cannot request uh, this option either because, as a judge, uh, he cannot file an appeal. So we're going to wait and see what happens here. There's some other discussions that have just kind of come out this morning. Uh, of course, the political left and the mainstream media are looking at those, and they're trying to want to drag this back to where it's been for the last year. So uh, that's the latest here. It's not over yet, but uh, Judge Sullivan appears to be uh, having his back in the corner, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, I want to go back a little bit and talk about a couple things because there's there's a critical situation at play here uh and this re- this deals with both um Antifa and Black Lives Matter as as Brooke showed uh in a couple clips earlier in the show uh where those groups have pretty much pronounced uh and announced so to speak that they are legitimately marxist communist organizations uh that's that's a fact um if you go back to Black Lives Matter and their founding, they are happily self-identifying as Marxist uh, and a Marxist movement. Uh, Their objectives and what they stand for uh, are first and foremost, they use the word black lives because that's their moniker and that's what they use to draw support. But underneath that, they are really a radical far-left Marxist organization. They strive for Violence. They strive for tearing down the country, and their ultimate goal is to create a uh, radical socialist regime, something like we might see in Venezuela or in other countries.
1: And I just want to interject really quickly: if you go on their website, they don't even talk that much about black issues. They talk about queer issues, queer and trans. It's like queer and trans. They want to get rid of the nuclear family. They want to. They They don't like the patriarchal system. So they use the name, like Jim said, Black Lives Matter, but that's not really the focus. They just know that they have to use race in order to achieve their agenda. So go ahead, Jim.
6: Yeah, that's exactly right. And they use subtopics such as defunding the police, uh, dismantling capitalism, uh, disrupting Western prescribed nuclear families, as you said, and seeking reparations for slavery, for redistribution throughout Uh, the minority communities. But this is all about dismantling the framework of society and neutralizing and undermining law enforcement um, and creating anarchy. Antifa, the same way, Uh, they are an anarchist organization. They, too, are avowed Marxists and communists. And, you know, their tactics we've seen, they're working together with Black Lives Matter. Uh, Antifa seems to be the group that goes out first and sparks uh, the riots or uh, you know they'll go in and smash the windows of uh, businesses and create a situation for looting to take place. All that is to cause the police to have to come in and get a reaction from p- the police. And what they'll turn around and say is when the police crack down on the looting, which businesses expect to happen, that's why we pay uh, so much in taxes for law enforcement is to... Uh, keep police and keep stability. Uh, they will then uh, turn on the police and and even government officials who support what the police are doing in law enforcement, and call for call them fascists when they in fact are the true fascists.
1: Or try to get them to react
6: and try to yeah. get them to react. Um, it's, it's an overarching strategy that they use. Um, this is this is not new. We've we've seen this throughout uh, history. Uh, for this type of things now the key thing here is in both situations uh, the Justice Department is working behind the scenes and overtime to identify them both these groups as uh, terrorist groups uh, Antifa can be actually described as a transnational insur- insurgent movement and when I say that uh, transnational they're also in Europe and they're doing a lot of things behind the scenes in Europe you know they're all about replacing global capitalism with communism, and antifa has stated in their long term objective, both in America and abroad, is to establish a communist world order in the United States antifa is immediately is the immediate immediate aim is to bring about the demise of donald trump that's their short term goal their long term goal is what we've talked about now uh how do we counter that? as I said, the Justice Department is working. Uh, to identify them as um, a radical terrorist organization. Let's go back a number of years to the uh, early 1950s. We had two acts that were put into play. One was the Internal Security Act of 1950 and the Communist Control Act of 1954 put in play by uh, President Eisenhower And these were to stop and quell the spread of communism in the United States after World War II. And if you recall back in the the mid-50s, Nikita Khrushchev, the premier of the Soviet Union, said, We will take America out without firing a shot. We will bury you. We can't expect American people to jump from capitalism to communism, but we can assist their elected leaders... In giving them small doses of socialism until they awaken one day to find they have communism. We do not have to invade the United States. We will destroy you from within. Can you see what's happening, America? This is what's going on. So there is an effort right now, and you can go to the White House uh, website, go to their page. There's a a survey and an uh, effort here petition to reinstate the Communist Control Act of 1954. Uh, They need 100,000 signatures for it to become uh, used by the White House for President Trump to talk about it. And I really, really want to enforce that people should go there so that we can take this on. This is how we get rid of Antifa and Black Lives Matter and any other anarchist groups that support communism. So, uh, Pay attention to what's going on behind the scenes. This is what's really at stake here. And as Brooke said, you know, this is the uh, our, really our last opportunity in America to save our country from the demise of what the political left is doing.
1: Well, thank you very much. And, Jim, uh, I will get that link from you and put it up on the Facebook page so people can go and sign that petition. As he mentioned, 100,000 signatures are needed. I don't think that'll take more than three days myself, uh, if that we—it's not hyperbole. We've talked about it, okay? This is really very serious. It's fast tracked, and it's very, very serious. We need two more hours, Jim, don't we? <laughs> Anyways, you're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke. Says here with Colonel Jim on AM Eight Sixty, The Answer. We will be back next week. Check out the face. Uh, check out the website BrookTalksAmerica.com. You've been
0: listening to talks america with author publisher conservative advisor and patriot brooke says connect by email info at brooktalksamerica.com by twitter at talks america and listen next saturday night for more brook talks america on am 860 the answer